want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where are you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends across the country who, like me, can't wait to turn the page on 2021. Welcome to Datitude episode number 40 for a Wednesday, December 29th, 2021. It is the final episode of the year. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times Picayune, the advocate and bet.nola.com. And today's theme is going to be about dumb people. We'll get into who I'm talking about shortly. Dumb. Like, have no sense of reality kind of dumb. But first, a programming note. Reminder, there will be no show on Friday with it being New Year's Eve. We will resume our regular three-episode-per-week schedule next week and until the Saints have concluded their season, whether it be the second week of January or if they somehow find a way to sneak into the playoffs whenever that journey ends, then we will have a uh, we'll have one or two shows per week until we take a little break after the Super Bowl. But that's the future. We're in the present, right? Just about 15 minutes, Times-Picayune sports columnist Jeff Duncan will join the show to discuss Monday night's shorthanded loss to the Miami Dolphins and where the team goes from here with just two regular season games remaining beginning this Sunday in the home finale against the Carolina Panthers. Also later we'll have our weekly segments with conductor Dave and Uncle Big Nick for our week 17 picks. Since there is no show on Friday, we have to have them on today, so it's going to be a, oh, a packed show, let's put it that way. Um, going to try to compact it all. Compact it all. Compact it all. That's a new word. Compact it all, y'all. Uh, we're trying to compact it. Whatever. You know what I mean. Into less than two hours. <laughs> we're going to find a way to do that. Dunk, um, I know, is going to have a shorter segment than usual. I'm, you know, I usually record my opening, actually, after I do all my interviews, but not this time. Um, so I don't know what's, what, what they're going to say later on. But uh, we're going to try to keep it to under two hours. I, it's a busy week. Um, for those of you getting ready for New Year's Eve and all the fest festivities, did you have a great Christmas? I hope you did. Um, obviously, Monday didn't go the way that we wanted it to go, but uh, it was really kind of predictable when we actually saw the people that were on the field. I mean, it's it's not a, it's it's not a surprise, really, right? Um, we're gonna get into my dime in just a second, but. Before we talk about dumb people, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do, does anybody go on social media? I mean, I do. I look, I, I don't. I, I make it a policy of mine, unless I'm in the dome working a game, and then I'm only on Twitter and I'm only typing in updates. But unless I'm working, actually working the game in the dome, um, and I only do about one or two a year now. I stay off of social media. It's a, my own personal policy. I don't get on, and I don't normally even get on immediately after. I usually wait until the next day, so I miss a lot of the dumb and dumberness. See, it even makes me dumb and dumber. 
get to that in a minute. Again, we know, look, we, we know whatever, whatever happens the rest of the season. This is the final game of the Dome of the Year. Cam Newton, Scammy Cammy, Sam Darnold, who's it going to be? We don't know. I mean, Carolina has their own COVID issues. Maybe it's a good thing it's the last game in the Dome. Incredulously, the Saints have won just one game at home all year. Just the opposite of what all the great Sean Payton teams have done in the past. Look, had I told you we'd only have one game, one win at home all season before going into the finale, and it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what would you have said? Goes into how crazy a year it's been. Oh, boy. Let's get into my dime. You know, before we do get into the theme of Dumb and Dumber, let's briefly talk about Monday night. And first, Ian Book. What do we know after one performance? I think it's the same things we knew before the game. Pretty much nothing. Terrible pass on a second throw that went for a pick six. A couple of nice passes to Callaway and little Jordan Humphrey. And a whole lot of this. You think? Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little pressure. I guess when I predicted the Saints to win, I hadn't done enough looking into who was playing on the offensive line. I really thought Teron Armstead was going to play. Would he have made a difference? Probably not. But I know Book wouldn't have been, wouldn't have had his route of welcome in the NFL, and likely wouldn't have been sacked eight times and hit at least another dozen times. Which leads me into the theme of the day. Look, I don't know why I continue to be amazed at how dumb people are. Maybe it's me who's the dumb one. You know, I think social media has truly become a detriment to society on so many levels in so many ways. You know, it used to be easy to be ignorant and naive somewhat to the thought process of people who live in some alternate universe. I used to give people the benefit of the doubt on a lot of things. That was before I began to read things people actually type out loud for the world to see. You know, it's one thing to think stupid thoughts. We all do it every single day, multiple times a day. But it's another to say them, actually say them out loud. What, what is it about keying letters on an electric, electronic keyboard that hypnotizes people into spewing nonsense for the world to see? I'm talking about the things you know most people wouldn't say in a crowd of others they don't know or don't know well. For the most part, I'm talking about things 
here on this show that I read Monday after the Saints loss. But in general, it, it could be about anything. You know, I've learned that you can get a real insight into people by reading what they say, type on social media. It's kind of ruined me. I, I still, like I said previously, I continue to be amazed by the ignorance. Look, here's just a small sample of some of the comments posted Monday night after a rookie quarterback was making his first start in prime time with a third-string left tackle and a right tackle I never heard of before 40 hours or so ago protecting him, a guy that was getting, getting fitted in the locker room just the day before the game, and no one on the team probably even knew what his name was. Here you go. Quote, time to go to Bortles. Turnovers can't be tolerated. Hmm. Well, let's see. Drew Brees turned it over 230 times as a, 232 times as a saint. Yeah, we probably should have handed the ball off to Chase Daniel. Although it may have been a good idea to have a guy who won't be on the roster next week take all those hits rather than your rookie quarterback who likely will be here for, oh, I'm guessing a few years to come. Quite a few years. Maybe many years, potentially. My favorite from before the game. Quote, NFL bias versus Peyton in the Saints hits an all-time high. 24 players and four coaches out on the COVID list and no talk of moving the game, unquote. When exactly would you have moved it to? Well, they had postponed games last week. Yeah, those postponed games went from a Thursday to a Saturday and from a Sunday to a Tuesday. Oh, also one to a Monday. You can't move a Monday game to a Wednesday or a Thursday. When would they play next? It wouldn't be fair to either team. So the only thing the NFL could have done, not playing the game on Monday, because doing it Tuesday wouldn't have made any difference either. And, and really, from what I understand, even playing it Wednesday probably wouldn't have made a difference. Today. So the only thing you could have done is to cancel it and hand, this, hand the Dolphins a forfeit victory. Obviously, the Saints weren't going to do that. Playing it was the only option. So let me repeat what I have to say at least once every six weeks. Roger Goodell doesn't hate the Saints. He's proven how much New Orleans means to the league many times. Yeah, everybody hates the Saints. Roger Goodell hates the Saints. The NFL hates the Saints. Joe Buck and Chris Collinsworth hate the Saints. I think Aunt Mabel hates the Saints. She threw a pumpkin pie at the TV screen Monday night. You know who doesn't give a rat's patoot about the Saints? The nudats who go back to feeding the pigeons in the park and take their kids to see the latest Disney movie when they think their quote-unquote favorite NFL team isn't relevant. But when the Saints are 12-3 and three this time of year, hush, Susie, we're about to clinch the division again, and I want to hear Joe Buck have to eat crow. It's killing him. Go play with your dolls in the other room. On that same note after the game, quote, wishful thinking, but there was no way Vegas and the NFL that now owns a gambling site was going to let the Saints win. Oh, I can hear it now. 
Um, yeah, hello, Roger. Uh, yeah, this is Caesars. Yeah, we talked about it with DraftKings, and um, uh, we can't have the Saints win tonight. No, 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 we can't have them win. Can you let the refs know it has to be Miami in this one? Oh, yeah, and they need to win by four or more, and um, we need the total score to be under 37, okay? Okay, cool. Thanks, Raj. Give me a break. And finally, I saved the best for last. Quote, I don't, I don't even know how to read this. Sean Payton finally being exposed. He had the luxury of a Hall of Fame quarterback for 15 years, and now he is proving he cannot develop a quarterback. Yeah, because Drew Brees never developed under Payton, and book, he should be the next coming of Brees by now. Let's forget he was preparing for Alabama in the Rose Bowl this time last year. Book should be getting fitted for his gold jacket by now. Are you blankety blank kidding me? I think if the Saints win their final two games, end with a winning record, whether they make the playoffs or not, Sean Payton should be named Coach of the Year. I'm dead serious. An NFL record, all-time record, of 57 different starters on the field this year. Four different starting quarterbacks. COVID outbreaks. Injuries to every single one of your top players that forced missing time. And a $20 million wide receiver who didn't play a single down for a team that already was cap-strapped. Coach of the year. That's just some of those comments, boys and girls. Again, it's, it's not just about the Saints. The ignorance I see on social media makes me question almost everyone I come in contact with these days. It, it really makes me question humanity. Whatever it, it, it is, whatever the case, is it too much to ask for people to use common sense? Just a little logic? When it comes to this football team... They sit here with two weeks left to play and a realistic shot of making the playoffs. That is a hell of an accomplishment, not only because it's one of the biggest transition years in franchise history, but because of all the things they have had to go through along the way and still got here. But dumb people have incredibly short memories. You know, the same people who boycotted the NFL in September 2020, they're the same people who were back by Thanksgiving, and then they were in the dome for the loss to the Vikings in the playoffs last January. They're the same people who were screaming hoot at last Monday morning and saying this team sucks seven nights later. Yeah, we noticed it. We noticed you. We just didn't say anything. Maybe it's the best. Maybe it's for the best. If you don't say anything else either. Happy New Year, new dad. And that is my dime. I know I ramble a little bit sometimes, but it, it just, it ticks me off. I used to be this guy who was like, I don't know. I gave you the benefit of the doubt that you were a good person, that you, you know, what you say is what you meant, that you were telling me the truth, that I should trust you, all those things. And the older I got, 
I guess the more cynical I've become and which is kind of strange to say considering, you know, it, I, I see people for what they are at this point. It just, it's frustrating. I mean, I went on, I watched the game and yeah, I mean, I was frustrated watching the game. I didn't think I would go on the social media and I don't even remember why I went on the social media. I think I went to go look for something or whatever, but I, I went to go look and it was the first, one of those comments that I just mentioned was the first one I saw. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, they, they literally had guys in there that I never heard of. I don't even remember what the tight end's name was now. I forgot it already. I think he caught two or three passes. I don't even remember what his name was. Never heard of him. Don't know where he came from. I mean, Pete Werner played an outstanding game. A backup linebacker taking the place of team captain and one of the top defensive players in the NFL, Demario Davis. Pete Werner was outstanding. The other subs were great. I thought Marshawn Lattimore had a, had a good game. C.D. Deuce was okay. Courtney Roby played fairly well. Cam Jordan had another good game. Marcus Davenport played well. The guys you expect to play well played well. And the guys that you never heard of, most of them didn't. What do you expect? <sighs> Sigh. But here we sit. Going into Sunday's game just a few days away. And I got to say, um, you know, after pouring through the playoff uh, scenarios, I, I'm never one to believe in these analytics and what your percentages were, are, and whatever. Um, and I think the percentages now, it's, I don't know, they're different across every platform. But the percentages of the Saints making the playoffs are in the range of 20. That's probably close. It's probably a little higher than that, though. I mean, I when I went in, when I came into Datitude on Monday, I don't think I was thinking so much about um, what I, I didn't see the grand picture. I don't think as much as I see, saw it after I went and did a little bit more research. And I mean, really, forget about the Eagles. First off, you, you know, the Saints aren't catching the Eagles. So that they're out. So what it comes down to is one of three teams are going to make the playoffs for that seven spot. Unless the Niners win two in a row and the Eagles win one and the Eagles are the seven and, and the Niners are the six. But I think what's going to happen is I'm, you have to look at it as the Eagles are most likely going to be the sixth seed. So it comes down to either 49ers, Saints, or Vikings for the seven spot unless something really silly happens there's about a 97% chance it's one of those three teams. It's the 49ers that they went out. They play the Texans and the Rams. You can close the book. That's who it is. They control their own destiny. If the Vikings beat the Packers, then they take away... Uh, they put a really... They put a huge nail in the Saints' coffin if the Vikings were to upset the Packers. So what it comes down to really is the Niners most likely won't lose this week against the Texans. If the Saints can beat the Panthers and the Packers beat the Vikings, then it comes down to Saints or Niners. 
which is a good thing because then the Niners play the Rams, most likely without Jimmy Garoppolo and having to put their rookie quarterback in, and the Saints will play the Falcons on the road. And it very well could be Saints win, Niners lose, Saints are in. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's certainly a possibility. So I'm a little bit more optimistic than I was before Monday's show when I said that the Saints probably needed to win out. I mean, it would have helped, but uh, they're not out of it yet. And, and that in itself is kind of amazing. I do want to get to Jeff Duncan, and we will in just a moment, but I first want to briefly talk about John Madden. As most of you know, maybe the icon of football passed away yesterday morning at the age of 85. And for those of you over the age of 40 to 45 or so, you probably thought a similar thing as I did when I got the news. Uh, Another piece of my youth has gone. Younger fans uh, certainly don't remember him as a coach, and some of them don't even really know him as a broadcaster. They only know him as the name associated with one of their favorite video games. While I only remember fleeting moments of him as a coach of the Raiders and what I have seen in highlights, I was a young boy when he left coaching. Uh, I will always hold Pat Summerall and John Madden as the top broadcasting team in network history. You know, when you watch football in the 1980s and the 1990s, if that duo was doing your game, you knew it was a big deal. And, um, you know, the same kind of when Pat Summerall died a couple years ago, um, when I heard the news about John Madden, the first game I thought of was 1987, a Giants-Saints game in the Dome. I kind of ta- talked about it a little bit with, John, uh, with Jim Rapier the other day. Um, it was a game I just happened to be on the field uh, as a part of the halftime show on that day. And uh, I couldn't wait to come home afterward and listen, get to the VCR and listen to what Pat and John had, had to say about what turned out to be a pretty momentous victory in franchise history. It was the, the fourth straight win for the Saints, the first time in team history that they had ever won four in a row. Uh, and it was, it was one that sticks out in my mind for sure. It was a great day for the Dome Patrol and some of the guys um, we all know. It was definitely a defensive game. But look, here, here are a couple minutes – of that legendary team from the final moments of the first half, and I thought it was uh, appropriate to, to let you hear it all and maybe reminisce just a little bit. Nine seconds remaining, first half. Amazing how fast things seem to change in the last two minutes of the half and the last two minutes at the end of the game. Well, and the big play on this drive was that run to Ruben Mazes because the Saints were running the clock out. The Giants wanted to take time out to take advantage of it. Boom, Mays breaks one. Now it's a different game. Now the Giants want the time to run out, and the Saints are trying to save it. 10-7. New Orleans leads the Giants. The Giant touchdown from Rutledge to Baker. Saints got there some word and a field goal of 19 yards by Anderson. First down, New Orleans. They're at the Giant 37. They'll run one more, and then they'll call that timeout. Amen. It's at the Dalton Hilliard, and he'll get him in range. And now he stops at the 25. A gain of 11. Two seconds to go, and they take that timeout. Anderson. 
season, 14 out of 18. Just the best. Morton Anderson. I don't know if he's that good or not. Jim Morris said he's a guy that, that thrives on competition. The tighter the situation, the better he likes it. That's the kind of guys you want kicking. You don't want that opposite kind of guy. You know that loose, he can kick anything. <laughs> you don't want that guy who dehydrates <laughs> when yeah. the pressure gets on. Or hyperventilates and passes out. This will be from 43 yards out. I thought that was just cool as hell. Um, you know, not just Summer on Madden, the music in the background, the the players who were playing A Bear and Hilliard and you know, that was just the offense. I've, of course we didn't hear about Ricky Jackson and Pat Swilling and Vaughn Johnson and Sam Mills and um you could hear Jerry Romick in the background who's who's left us quite a few years ago now and just missed. It's, you know, pieces of our youth, man. You know, I'm 53 years old now, and uh, now I'm going to be the old guy. Always been a little strange. Uh, I say always. I mean, I've really kind of started to think that way the last few years. Um, you know, I, I, kids I covered. I mean, there, there are kids that I've covered and are out of the NFL and are coaching now. Uh, guys I went to school with are thinking about retiring. It's it's really, you know, when you when one of these legends passes away, it certainly uh, makes you think a little bit. It really does. But uh, I thought that was a cool segment. I let it run for a little bit longer than probably I needed to. But again, all the cool things going on in the background and hearing the crowd and just just fun stuff. I mean, the dome was. Uh, it was nowhere as near as nice as it is now. Um, that old concrete just everywhere. I mean, there's no painted concrete. Getting up to the top of the dome was a, a pain in the keister. Um, I think you could still smoke in the dome back then. And if you ever sat at the top of the terrace when, um, back when they allowed smoking, it would get so cloudy up at the top you could barely see the field. It was like fog rolled in. Especially like on a on a night game when which we didn't have very often back then because we stunk, but um, all those things come to mind. So I thought that clip was was kind of special, and uh, that's why I played so much of it. Um, let's go to to Duncan uh, Jeff Duncan for a short segment. Uh, again, he's got a lot of things going on today. Um, he talked to Sean Payton this morning. Well, he and the rest of the media via Zoom, and. Um, we're going to talk to him about that, uh, he, but he's got a lot of things to do later on today. So we're going to keep this segment about 15, 20 minutes, and then uh, we are going to have Conductor Dave and Uncle Big Nick coming on afterward uh, to do our weekly picks column. And, again, we will try to keep those short as well, uh, keep this show so you can listen to all of it, enjoy it. And with that, we'll get to Dunk. Welcoming in Datitude's best friend, Jeff Duncan, sports columnist, for the Times Picayune, the Advocate, and um, just an NFL 
know it all. I'm going to say it like that. Before we get into the Saints dunk, um, obviously, I want to talk about uh, John Madden. Talked about it in my open. Um, just a, a great loss for the league. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's hard to believe, really. He's been out. I, I hadn't realized how long he'd been out of broadcasting. There's a lot of people probably under the age of 30 who don't really know much about John Madden and uh, certainly don't know him as a coach. Uh, but and they just know him as the face of a video game. But you know, I heard some things last night saying that John Madden might might have been the number one icon in the history of the NFL. I don't know if that's true, but it's certainly not reaching to say something along those lines. No, I mean, I think his influence uh, touched on so many different aspects of the game, from uh, coaching, you know, won a Super Bowl. Uh, obviously was uh, one of the winningest coaches in NFL history uh, during his time and then went into broadcasting and kind of at the, he was broadcasting JD when the league really took off. And I think that is where he made his greatest impact as a color analyst, Pat Summerall and Monday Night Football. And um, he had this kind of folksy, uh, ability to speak to the every man, to the, the the casual fan, and make it understandable. And I think he had a major impact in that way uh, as a color analyst, because the NFL, as you know, football in general is a very complicated sport, and and you can get in the weeds with the X's and O's and all the strategy. And he had a way of simplifying all that and making it relatable to the casual fan. I think that was a real gift he had. Everyone liked John Madden. Nobody, it's hard to find anybody that didn't like him. And then, of course, uh, the video game uh, explosion. Uh, who could have foreseen that? Obviously, maybe John Madden saw it. I don't I even know, think he saw it, he said. No, probably not. I mean, if you go back and look at the early, the early you know, stages of that game, it was pretty rudimentary. It was. And then to see, yeah, to see that take off. Uh, so there are really three different aspects of his career that touched on the popularity of, of his role in the league. And yeah, a big loss, you know, he'd been sick for a while. Uh, people in league circles, if you notice, you really hadn't heard from John Madden in a long time because he'd been pretty ill. And uh, he, uh, I know I have some friends that, that worked for him, uh, worked with him when he was with the Raiders. And uh, we were talking last night via text and they were just telling me how much of a man's man he was and also how, intelligent he was I, one 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 guy told me that they were on the bus with madden and um madden would get off make the bus stop along the highway and he would pull out a like a guide a guide the north american uh, wildflowers and he would go out on the highway and uh, on the side of the highway and, and check out wildflowers because he was fascinated by that but it just spoke to his his natural curiosity and his intellect. I mean, he wasn't just a, a dumb meathead football coach. I mean, he was a really intelligent guy. And I think that that's certainly tr uh, translated when you watched him call a game. And you and I basically, you know, we were little kids when he was coaching, but I think you and I, you think about his long broadcasting career and I went from probably, I guess a teenager to, an adult working in this business and John Madden was and Pat Summerall were, were the two staples of this league. They were always there. You know, I, I think of 
Vern Lundquist and I think of Al Michaels and and guys like that who who did it for maybe as long. But you always thought of John Madden. You always if you if Pat Summerall and John Madden were doing your game, it meant it was important. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, that gave it extra prestige. And and I had a, a Saints historian uh, from Thibodeau, William Taylor, who who is just an amazing resource for me on a lot of Saints stuff. Yeah, he me too. Me He's awesome. Yeah, he sent me a video today of a 1993, September 93 Saints win against the 49ers that Summerall and Madden called, and Morton Anderson won the game on a field goal kind of at the buzzer. And uh, you could hear Madden in the background chanting, uh, whoop, there it is. You know, that was back when that was like kind of one of the yeah, phrases yeah. going around. Cha-ching. It was just a great, great video. That was a great example of his, uh, you know, his brilliance. Yeah, we ran uh, a little clip this morning in my open of Madden and Summerall. The game that stands out for me, um, 1987, the Saints had never won four games in a row to that point. Hard to believe they were they were 20 years into their existence and had never won four games in a row. But they were playing the New York Giants at home in the Dome. Madden and Summerall were doing the game. And here comes Bill Parcells and the Giants. And Jeff Rutledge was starting instead of Phil Simms. But just kind of hearing those guys. And I remember I was there at the game. I was actually part of the halftime show and uh, I couldn't wait to get home after the saints won that game and watch my VCR tape of it just to hear those guys do the game and what they had to say about the saints winning such an important game. And uh, we played a little clip of that this morning and you're right. Um, it, they didn't do a whole bunch of saints games back then because the saints weren't always great. They were better. In, in the late 80s and early 90s, obviously, we went through different stretches. But, man, it was such a thrill to have those guys doing your game. Well, you know, Jim, it, it was a different era, and, and I think that's what's lost maybe on the younger generation because uh, the, the coverage of the NFL now is so stratified. It's so right. exhaustive. I mean, there's – Right. There's, there, there, yeah, there's broadcasters everywhere, There's and there's excellent ones. It's not It's not like – I agree. Good, but it's different. It, it's no different than – that great generation we just lost here in New Orleans sports where you had, uh, you know, Peter Finney and Hap Glaudy and Buddy DeLiberto. I mean, those guys were iconic figures. They had such a bigger um, mouthpiece and platform back then because you had fewer outlets for people to go to. There wasn't, right. It was mass media, but it wasn't nearly as, as multiple outlets as we have today. So those uh, media members took on a, a much greater importance, had greater influence. And uh, I think that's certainly true of John Madden, because like you said, when he called a game, it, it lent greater importance to the game. Now that every game's televised. And so there's so many broadcasters, you can't keep up with them all. Back then it wasn't the case. Yeah. So you're saying that it was long before the Duncan Holder show is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, I've had these conversations out on fishing trips with Jim Henderson because you know, Hondo was kind of like that. I mean, yeah. he was the last really, I think, I great iconic media figure in New Orleans. Uh, he, when he retired, I think that that kind of iconic media figure retired with him. I don't think we'll ever see another one like him. And and that was the same for Peter Finney and Buddy D and and those other those other greats from that generation because they they didn't have this internet. That, that gave everyone a chance to speak and everyone a platform and a microphone. Uh, is this a different era of our media in our country? Yeah, I've been lucky enough through, this is episode number 40. 
And through 40 episodes, I've been lucky enough to have some of the important New Orleans voices on the show. And Jim Henderson, I haven't had yet. So we, we have to get him on before before the Super Bowl at some point to, to just talk and reminisce. He would be great to have here. Certainly, Jim Henderson, uh, uh, to me, he's the, the voice of New Orleans. I mean, and, and, and it's funny because he's not from here. Uh, he, he didn't grow up here, but right. he's certainly a New Orleanian through and through. And he, he is... Uh, you're right. One of the last old school guys we have. All right, let's talk about these New Orleans Saints. And um, the theme of my show this morning has been, uh, I called it dumb people. And uh, I know you're not going to be as harsh on, on the general public as I'm going to be, but some of the things I saw on social media after the game and really into Tuesday is unrealistic Saints fans just, I mean, do we? Do they realize who was, they had a guy at right tackle the other night, I never heard of him. I mean, I never heard of him at all. I know, and you know, usually when you bring guys off the practice squad or whatever, I've at least heard of them. Or they had a guy playing tight end I had never heard of. I'm sure he had some ties to the the Saints in some aspect. But I guess my point is, especially when it comes to Ian Book, we can't judge anything that we saw Monday night because we have no idea how he would fare against with a real NFL offensive line in front of him not going up against what I consider to be one of the better NFL defensive lines in the NFL. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, conversation with, with Sean Payton last week before the game was played. And one of the things he told me was exactly that. Don't judge this rookie quarterback on what you're going to see in this game. Cause he said, we're, we're down so far on the depth chart. We're so diminished. And so many guys, I mean, J.D., they were, they were signing guys the day of the game to, and fitting them with equipment to play in the game that night. I've never heard of anything like that in, in the history of as long as I've covered the league, 22 years. I've never seen any or heard anything like that. Uh, it was an unfortunate, frustrating situation for everyone involved. I know Saints fans are very frustrated. I know Sean Payton was frustrated. I don't know any solution to it. I, I've tried to go on social media, which is probably there is none. There just wasn't a way to move the game, and people are frustrated. I get it, but it's not the NFL is not out to get the Saints. I mean, I'm just so tired of that. That was part of the narrative. It's yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you got you have another team involved too, and I think that's what people think about. You got to pull back the the lens here and understand there's another team. If you know, it's the same thing that happened with the Broncos last year, where they were in a bad pickle, and I know it's a little different, but it's the same thing. It was, it, I thought Ian Book said it best. He said, look, it hits every team in the league at some point, and this was our week. And, and in, in the grand scheme of things, losing that game, if you're going to lose one, that was the one to lose because it was an AFC team. So the Saints still, I think, have a really good shot to make the playoffs. They've got to win, obviously, the last two games, but I think they very well could do that. And I think it's, it's, it works out very well that they play Carolina, who is clearly playing out the string right now. You get Carolina. If you get that win, then all of a sudden you're down to one game. You're, you're one game. You know you have to win it. And I just think the Saints will win that kind of game. I think if it were the opposite, I would be a little more worried about it. But I like their chances in a, in a winner-take-all. And, and it's so complicated right now. I know we might talk about the playoffs, but I've looked at it all morning. And th- I've never seen a year where so many uh, seeds could change hands because of the last two weeks of everybody playing each other. The the records are so close, not just in the wild card, but up top in the second and through fourth seeds. 
everyone's playing each other, have about the same record. So it's really the league expanding the playoffs has really created, I think, a lot more intrigue this year than past years. Yeah, we, we only have about 10 or 15 minutes left because I know you got a, a lot of stuff to do today. But I, I want you to give me 30 seconds on uh, touching on something you, t- you talked about, you know, a minute ago. And that is I want everyone to understand, as far as this game goes, there is no way they could have postponed it. What were you going to do? Move it to Tuesday, it wouldn't have changed anything. You move it to today, it wouldn't have changed much. I mean, you might have had a couple more players that were available. But you couldn't postpone it, even if you postpone it to Wednesday. Then it hoses the Dolphins, who have to come and turn around and play on Sunday. And they're fighting for their playoff lives. They don't have a great chance, but they went out, and they're probably going to be in as brutal of a schedule as they have going down the last two games. But you couldn't move it. You just simply couldn't move it. It wouldn't have been fair to Miami. And the only other option was for the Saints to forfeit, and then the NFL really would have hated the Saints. Yeah, you make great points. I think one of the things that was frustrating is that fans know that other games got moved, but one of those was originally scheduled on a Saturday, so it was much easier to move that. Correct. And you wouldn't interfere with the following week's game. I think that's the problem is is the Saints are playing on a Monday night. That's unfortunate. You know, if this were a Sunday game at noon, maybe things could be changed, but Monday night you really start – pressing up against the next week's game. And you're right. The Dolphins are involved and you can't really penalize them. And, uh, you know, then you've got other schedules. I mean, once you start moving to games, it affects, it just becomes a domino effect. It starts affecting everybody else in the league. And, and I, I, I was just going to say, and the other thing that I, I think is important is the league has every bit of data to understand who might be able to come back and who can't. And I think that's an important thing. We just saw yesterday the Saints act, uh, got back Malcolm Jenkins and Jawan Johnson. Those would have been the two players they would have had maybe available if they moved it to Tuesday. Well, I mean, is that going to make a difference in that no. game? No. No. No, the, what well, made the difference so, was the offensive line. Right, right. That's that's the thing. And those guys weren't really impacted by the COVID. So, like, uh, you know, I think, I think the league looked at every aspect of it and said – you know, the only other real option would be to cancel the game. And I think the league, as my colleague Kevin Seifert at ESPN pointed out on social media yesterday, the league looked at it and said they'd rather have some football, even if it's bad football, than no football. And I'm not naive enough to know that there's also tens of millions of dollars in advertising revenue Much on money. a Monday night That's football right. game. That's also a heavy consideration. It's not just the league. It's ESPN. <laughs> they want that. They want that money. They've got to rebate that money to their advertisers. So it's it's there's a lot that goes into it, and it's not it's much more complicated than Roger Goodell has the Saints. And then the Saints again, if they have to cancel it, I mean, it has to mean that the Saints have to forfeit, and it's not their their fault. It, right. Like you say, it goes around. So then it would have been even worse. It would have looked, it would have been a PR disaster. So, and I guarantee you, Sean Payton would rather play with offensive lineman he signed off the street and Ian Book and at least have a chance than to just take the L without playing the game. So and yeah, the, I, mean, the, I think, I think the role game. of the dice in that game, JD was maybe your defense gets a pick six. Maybe you get, yeah. a, a, you know, yeah. you, you roll the dice, you, you get in the game and maybe, maybe things happen for you, it, but you can see right away once that pick six occurred early yeah. and they got down worst case scenario. 
Yeah, no, I agree. All right, let's move on and talk about uh, things that are really relevant for the future. Um, and you talk about the Carolina Panthers. Here, here's the way that I see it, okay? If you talk about playoffs, and playoffs, I mean, you, you really, they, they still have a road. And I, I, I'm i much more positive today than I was Monday. I really thought going into Monday that they needed, to, realistically, needed to win out. But now that I look at it a little bit more in depth, I think the following scenario, which is completely possible to happen, San Francisco's not going to lose this week. I know Trey Lance is playing, but I, I'd be shocked if they lost yeah, to the Houston. They're not losing. Especially after Houston pulled off the big upset last week. Right. It's not going to happen. I mean, the Niners are going right. to win this. But they do play the Rams in the last week. So you need you need the Rams to beat the 49ers, which the Rams will be fighting for a playoff seed if they're not still fighting for the division. So that's right. a good chance to happen. And you need the Vikings to lose this week because they're not going to lose to the Bears in the finale. So you need the Bears to lose, I mean, the Vikings to lose to the Packers. Then you get those two things. The way I look at it, unless I'm figuring something wrong, if the Saints went out and those other two things happen, the Saints are in the playoffs. I think you're correct. Uh, I've looked at it all morning. I'll tell you the other thing is, um, you know, the Saints fans should root heartily for Washington to beat Philadelphia this week. That's a big game. Uh, you know, that that's a big one in the – Yeah, I've kind of written the Eagles off. Well, I'm just saying, you know, look, that could happen. Washington's not terrible. I know they're in fighting right now on the bench, but but they're they're capable of beating an Eagles team uh, this week. And if you're rooting for a loss by the Eagles, you want it to be against Washington more than even the last week of the season okay. in Dallas, because that's a common opponent, and the Saints beat Washington, so that becomes a huge tiebreaker for the Saints. So you want to root for the for the Washington to win that game, but. I think it's wide open. I mean, you look at it, I think the Eagles could lose both their games. I mean, Dallas, like you said, D- Dallas still has something to play for. Yes. They play Arizona this week. So that's a huge game, Arizona and Dallas, because it has implications on 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 whether these teams are going to play all their starters last week of the year. I think that's an important factor. We don't know if the Rams are going to need to win that game against San Francisco or not. I think that's a dicey game because there's a possibility after this coming week that those teams look at the calculus of the playoff scenarios and say, well, it doesn't even matter if we win or lose, we're going to rest people. And that's happened a number of times where they don't really care if they're the second seed or the fourth seed, it all kind of the same for them. So I think this week is going to be critical in sorting out who's going to need to win the last week and who isn't. I think there's a huge difference between the two seed and the three or four seed. So if you have a chance, and we saw it with the Saints last year, the Saints got the two seed. They were able to play Chicago in the first round, which wasn't as important as if you win, you know you're going to be at home in the divisional round, which is very important. I mean, if you're the Rams or the Cowboys, especially the Rams and Cowboys, especially Dallas because they play much better at home. So I think Dallas will be indeed fighting because they're, they're, there's, I don't see any – First of all, Tampa Bay is probably going to get the two seed. Tampa so Bay maybe, is going to win both. Yeah, they're going to have the two seed. That's what I'm getting at. Right. You know, so maybe it, it does it affect things. Get, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think Tampa's. There's no way I think they're going to lose either of their games. So I think they're going to get the number two seed. I think Green Bay, all likelihood, beats Minnesota this week and wins out, and they're going to get the number one seed. So then you're talking about the three or four. Look, they probably are going to play everybody. You're probably right, but I'm just saying I can see a scenario where Dallas says, oh, we don't need to win or, or the Rams because it's going to be the three or the four and we don't think it's that important. I don't know. We'll see. I, it's just, 
I guess in a weird, I guess in a weird way, Dunk, you almost hope Arizona beats Dallas because right. if they do, then the Rams have to play that, have to win that last game to win the division. So, in a weird way, go Cardinals. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Because then all of a sudden it keeps Arizona in the fight for the NFC West, and it keeps Dallas, you know, motivated against the Eagles. Absolutely, hundred percent right on that. I don't have a lot of hope on that because. I personally think I Dallas is going to win the Super Bowl. I, I don't think anybody's talking about them. They're starting to, but you want that team's blowing people out. I mean, they they beat the Saints handily in that game, and that was pretty much the same Saints team that played the Bucks. The, the, the Bucks uh, couldn't couldn't move the ball on at all, and Dallas was pretty much a juggernaut. I, I just feel like they are the most talented team in the league, and no one's talking about them, and they've got talent on both sides of the ball and they're pretty daggone healthy right now they match up very well with either tampa bay or green bay so i i I don't disagree with you i still think the rams are going to make the super bowl out of the nfc but and i really think if unless they get paired together some kind of way i think it's going to be i think dallas against the rams would be an old school wonderful wonderful completely contrasting Rams defense against Dallas offense. And on the other side, you know, Parsons has been just Parsons and Diggs might be the two best players and defensive players in the NFC. And I can't wait to see what happens when they get in the playoffs. And I think the Rams are playing better defensively. Now they're getting to where they wanted to be when they got Von Miller. And I know he's had uh, issues and missed games, but I can't wait to see if that happens in the playoffs. I'm really looking forward to that, but well, and, and look, I think the Saints win this week, and I'll be stunned if they lose to Carolina. Carolina yeah, is a mess, right? Yeah. And, and then you get to go to Atlanta. We know what's all involved in that they're game. They're not going to lose to Atlanta game. when it matters. Right. I don't think they're going to lose that game with, with it mattering. I really don't. I think they'll have much more to play for than Atlanta at that point. So I, I like the Saints' chances of winning out, and I really think they're going to get in. I, I know I've been Mr. Optimism this year. But I think they're going to get in. Now, I think it's going to be one and done. I think they're going to get in there against Dallas. Who cares? Yeah, but just getting in and getting relevant and continuing that streak and considering everything they've faced, that's a huge accomplishment. And I I really think uh, it's going to play out in their favor. And they're getting almost everybody back this week that that was out last week. So they should be full bore. And, um, yeah, I like their chances. I mean, the defense played great the other night. I thought they finally wore down a little bit late, but they played great, and they're going to get uh, both linebackers back this week. Uh, the, the real issue that I'm writing about this week, J.D., and we haven't really talked about it on the program, but I think the offensive line is a major concern for this team, yes. not just this year, going forward. I mean, we don't know what's going on. I've heard some rumors about Ramshack and having serious issues with his knee. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen with Teron Armstead. Is he going to resign or not? Uh, you know, if he leaves, you got one of the best left tackles in the game gone. Cesar Ruiz has not played well so far. He's been something of a bust. I don't want to say a complete bust, but certainly disappointing. That offensive line we all thought was going to be the strength of this team, at least offensively. You're looking at in the future, we don't know what, what you've got. Three of the positions are question marks, I think. Uh, and so I think that is a major concern for this organization beyond what, what we've got the last two weeks. Yeah, we can talk about this in a few weeks, but I questioned the Cesar Ruiz pick from the beginning. Um, I didn't like it at all. 
Uh, there were so many other offensive linemen. I thought they could have drafted ahead of Cesar Ruiz. I get that you that you want an interior offensive lineman, and I get that Ruiz was versatile and could you know was a center and that they turned into a guard. And um, you have your center locked up. I mean, Eric McCoy's I think outstanding. He's probably been the best. I don't think probably he's clearly been the best offensive lineman the Saints had this year. Yep. Um, but you know, that's a, that's, that's a, something we talk about going into draft. They clearly, you know, people talk about wide receiver. They certainly need wide receiver, but I think that's easier to get in free agency. I think offensive lineman is going to be a key target for them in the draft. But I, I going back to your point about making the playoffs, who cares if you're one and done? I mean, Sean Payton, I've said this probably 50 times over the past six weeks. If he gets this team to the playoffs with an NFL record number of starters on your t- 57 starters throughout a season, that's more players than you have in a roster. I mean, it's insane that this team that we're, we're in week 17 and we're still talking about real, not just mathematical, realistic playoff chances for this team with a hodgepodge group of who knows who four starters at quarterback, the, the dude's the coach of the year. And I know he won't get the coach of the year, yeah, but if they make the playoffs, win, if he makes the playoffs, he should be coach of the year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, the other night, Caleb Beninox, the, the tackle you're talking yeah, about, he right. was the seventh, <laughs> he's the seventh tackle on the depth chart, seventh. That's insane. And then he went out in the game. So they had to bring in uh, Cal Murphy to play for a, a little while. Uh, yeah, that's and those are critical positions. It's not like you're losing, uh, you know, your weak side linebacker. Right. I mean, no disrespect, but I mean, it, you know, or your, your third cornerback. Spots, yeah, your tackle spots are those are like critical things, and you can see that's why Will Clapp was playing so much as the tackle eligible. They were just trying to help out the young quarterback, give him more protection. But that takes out one player in your in your route tree. Uh, it really reduces what you can do offensively. So he's just trying to, you know, patchwork together some kind of offense right now. And I'm sure this is going to be a major overhaul in the offseason to try and fix the Saints' issues on the perimeter. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's that's something we'll talk about in the offseason. Jeff Duncan here in the Datitude podcast. Uh, we've got to address the stupid rumor. Um, I actually watched the NFL Network. In, in case people haven't heard the rumor, I mean, you hear dumb rumors, and I'll probably be proved wrong now because I'm calling it dumb. Today's theme is dumb, but this isn't happening. Sean Payton of the Chicago Bears. I mean, I didn't bring it up in the open because I didn't really think it was worth it, but we were talking about Sean Payton, so I, I guess it'll we'll give it a mention. But they had some guys on the NFL Network even kind of mentioning it. Is this the case of we don't have anything else to talk about this week, so let's let's make up rumors about – Sean Payton is never going to go to the Chicago. If he were going to leave, I could think of eight teams he'd go to before Chicago. Yeah, I, I mean, I got asked about that yesterday as well, and uh, I don't even know where this stuff came from. I, I have no idea where it bubbled up. I mean, Sean Payton, the only way he leaves the Saints is if he decides he's tired of it here and he goes to Mickey Loomis and says, look, I need a change and I want to leave. That, that's the only way he leaves. Right. First of all, he's under contract. Do they have to make a trade? So, yeah, if I'm Mickey Loomis, anybody that comes to me, I want two first-round draft picks. Who's going to give that up? Uh, We've been down this road before. It was much closer to happening uh, back in 2016 
than than I think a lot of people know. But uh, it's Sean Payton's bought a house now. He's settled in. He's married. Uh, he's not the same guy he was 10, 12 years ago. He, he's much more. I think I think when he moves on from coaching, it'll be in the media, not to another I coaching agree. job. I'll be surprised. So um, you never say never. I mean, his mentor was Bill Parcells. He never stuck anywhere longer than four years. But Sean's proven to be completely different than that. And I think he understands he's got an incredible situation here with ownership and management that's unique in the NFL. You can't find that everywhere else. And if he ever gets to the point where he just says, you know what, I need to move on, I need a new challenge, that will be what drives it. Certainly not someone coming in and luring him away, I don't think. A hundred percent. I mean, he has – he wouldn't have – you could pick the other 31 teams and he won't have a situation at any of the other 31 teams like he has in New Orleans. I mean, he, having complete autonomy, I guess, is the best way to put it. And Mickey's done a great job, don't get me wrong. Um, and so have the other members of the Saints administration. I love Dennis Lauscher who really – you know, who has a lot of outside influences in the community and, and helps Mrs. Benson. But – there are no other, there's no other team in the NFL where Sean Payton has the authority and autonomy to say, this is what we're doing. NFL coaches don't have what he has. They did in the day, but they don't anymore. No, you're right. And that's why, and Sean Payton's smart. He knows that. Very. He's got a great relationship with Mickey Loomis. And, um, and, and I think he's been, I think he was energized this year about, trying to win. I think they were going to win pretty, pretty be very successful before all the injuries and, and all the uh, COVID suspensions or, you know, that hit this team. I mean, I think he's, I think he has been worn down by it all. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but I think in the off season, I've seen him a million times. He'll get rejuvenated. He'll get excited again. And this team's going to go big game hunting in the quarterback market. There's no doubt in my mind. And I think that'll get him enthused again. Because this team could easily be like the New England Patriots where they have one 100%. kind of transitional year, but the rest of the roster is still very strong. That defense is almost all back intact. Uh, at least the key players are almost all back intact. So th- this team, I think, would be right back in the mix of the year from now. And that wouldn't be the case in Chicago or somewhere else like that. You'd be starting over. Yeah, Jameis doesn't get hurt. This team's not only in the playoffs. They're fighting for the NFC South title. I mean, they're, they're right up there with Tampa Bay. I mean, there's no question in my mind. Jameis doesn't get hurt. This is a completely different season. Um, uh, let's, before we let you go, let's talk real quick about, you touched on it with Carolina this week. Let's just focus on the, on the present. You think most of the Saints players, if not all of them, will be back this week. The, the, the only good thing about COVID is when you have a rash of an outbreak like this, once they get it, they got it. Okay, it's it's over with. You don't have to worry about that anymore. And I think anybody who was gonna get it is is gotten it. So I mean, at least you go forward now from this, and you can move on from it. So tell me if who do you think might not be back? I mean, do you think Taysom Hill is gonna be back uh, first off? And then Carolina's dealing with COVID issues of their own, and we don't even know who's gonna play quarterback. Yeah, well, I think Taysom Hill will definitely be back. He was on the front end of that. So was Trevor Simeon. Uh, I think the ones it's, – it's just a, it's a timeline, right, J.D.? The ones that got put on the list at the very end are the least likely to come back. So it would be someone like Quan Alexander, who I think went on Sunday on the list. But the new CDC guidelines, which the NFL has adopted, now 
have reduced the window to from 10 days to five days. So I think there's a great chance that everyone will be back. Uh, certainly most of them. And that might also play into the case of the uh, Carolina Panthers. They might have more players get back and test back in uh, through the protocol window than other teams in the past have because the, it went from 10 days to five days. Very informative stuff here today, Dunk. Just lastly, uh, last thing I'll ask you, uh, you've already kind of said it. You said you'd be shocked if the Saints lost this week. I would too. Um, just talk about the focus you think that's going on uh, on airline drive right now. And um, they know how important this game is uh, to the organization. And Peyton, I mean, he loves to prove things to people wrong. And he knows the significance of being just having a chance to get to the playoffs with this ragtag team, how important it is for him as well. Yeah, look, I think Carolina comes at the right time. They're kind of the ultimate get-right team. They've lost a bunch of games in a row. They were non-competitive last week against Tampa Bay. I don't know what they're doing at quarterback, J.D. I mean, what are, why are they playing Cam Newton? I don't understand. It. Have, Sam Darnold's back. It, yeah, I have no idea. Sense to me. Yeah, they, they fired Joe Brady's offense coordinator. I mean, this looks like the classic case of a team playing out the string. The Saints get a win. I mean, this thing's going to shake out a lot this week. Like we mentioned, the Arizona-Dallas game. You got Minnesota playing at Green Bay. Philadelphia's at Washington. Uh, now, San Francisco's almost certainly going to win. But these other games, you could have a lot of teams, where, whereas I think we're going to get through this weekend, and if the Saints get that win, all of a sudden, everyone's hopes get uplifted. There's going to be much more intensity and focus going into that last week. And uh, so I really think they're going to go all in on this game. Um, and I think defensively they're going to give all kinds of problems to Sam Darnold, Cam Newton. Uh, those guys have been coughing up interceptions right and left. They've been really struggling. Even a, a depleted Tampa Bay team last week really uh, routed them, and they were missing several key players in that game. Still, still rolled over them in Carolina. I can't see Carolina mustering much of a of a you know resistance. And um, look, they get players back. All of a sudden, everybody's back in the building. I think things uh, spirits gets up gets uplifted especially with the win any chance Ramcheck or armstead play new no, no well Ramcheck didn't play in the rest of the year i mean okay. yeah he's not playing the rest of the year uh teron armstead i guess we, we go week to week with him there, there's some weird stuff going on with that i don't know what it is but it's it, it's it Good. the mystery with their tackles uh is is a serious issue for this team and one that really, frankly, not a lot of people are talking about because I just think they think both of them are injured. Uh, but there's more going on behind the scenes than just that. Um, without getting too in-depth, could Armstead be Michael Thomas-ish or Michael Thomas-like? I mean, I, I think you know what I mean there. Yeah, like I think there's some of that going on. I think he's, uh, you know, he's not under contract beyond this year. I think he wants long-term security like every player. He's playing through injuries. He's got representatives that are in his ears. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on with that. And um, it's, hard to, it's hard to deal with players that have injuries, uh, you know, and contract situations. That's always kind of a dicey combination. And unfortunately, right now, the Saints need Teron Armstead out there. He's played hurt through a number of injuries throughout his career. Uh, they could really use him back in there because they're hurting a tackle right now. You handled that as politically correct as you possibly could. Uh, that's why you're the number one sports columnist in the state of Louisiana. Jeff Duncan, thank you so much.
for joining us here on the Datitude Podcast. We will talk again uh, before the season's over, and I, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a very interesting week, and I think uh, there will be there might be more mud than there going into week eighteen than there is going into week seventeen. Yeah, I agree with you, bud. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk again soon. Talk to you soon. That might have been the uh, most informative segment of our entire 40-episode existence. I, I thought that was outstanding. But Jeff Duncan usually is. I mean, it, I mean it when I say he's the best columnist in the state of Louisiana. He's, to me, he's one of the top five or ten NFL columnists, period. He has more insight when it comes to this team. Of course, he's been covering them for uh, cl- coming up on a quarter century now. So he's been around for a while, and obviously he knows – What's going on in uh, Saints realm? It's going to be an interesting offseason. Again, we, we're, we're quite a ways away from talking about the offseason. Um, this team still has life. So the I think we're closer to the um, Houdat saying this is a great team from the Sunday night against Tampa Bay than we are to the one that played on Monday night with nobody here. It's going to depend a lot, obviously, on who's on the offensive line. I mean, getting the defensive players back are key, um, and we'll find out how that what that means going forward uh, in the next two weeks. But um, I like the Saints' chances this week, and uh, I've, I've said so. And we'll say so again in this next segment. Spoiler alert. Conductor Dave coming on. Uh, let's get right into the choo-choo train in our NFL picks for Week 17. All aboard, all aboard the Taysom train, Conductor Dave is on the Taysom train. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bah humbug kind of week. You, you, you're on the Taysom train, but how can you be on the Taysom train when he's not even on the sideline? <laughs> it's awful, man. It's awful. Dude, I got a Christmas present, a Taysom Hill shirt, and it, it's a Swiss Army knife. And on each little blade, it's got running back, QB, you know, uh, gunner, all these things. It's awesome. And I couldn't even wear it because Tay-Tay wasn't even there. See, that's what I was going to say. I'm Next year, I'm going to get you uh, a seven jersey, and on the back it says Tay-Tay on it. I would wear it proudly, sir. That is going to be your your present next year. Conductor Dave joining Datitude Podcast. Can you believe this show has made it 40 episodes? I mean, you, how, how did that happen? You and Uncle Big Nick have not killed this show yet. I mean, it's it's the last <laughs> show of the year, and I'm still doing shows. It's kind of a Christmas miracle almost. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> the festivus for the rest of us. Um Let's get into it. Uh, you finally got me. Um, you, you went four hey. and two last week. Uh, I went two and four, which means you are only one game behind me for the season. Not that either one of us should be bragging because I'm 41 and 43 against the spread. You're 40 and 44. But, and Ouch. we've both been stinking it up on our New Orleans Saints picks. But we're all going to change that this week. Of course, that's Lanyap. We're getting into it. We're going to start off with uh, Man Bun is hosting Kirk Cousins 
your favorite quarterback. Minnesota no, yeah. is getting six and a half traveling to Lambeau Field. Uh, well, well that, that's the I'm, I'm taking Green Bay, man. Green, Green Bay has been just phenomenal all season long. Uh, you know, I, I, Kirk Cousins, well, I, I think I'd be the greatest QB. He is a very serviceable quarterback. He, he gets it much as it pains to compliment any Vikings do. Uh, you know, they're, they're a good team. But I think Green Bay is less. They decide to get hit with COVID or rest some players going into the offseason, you know, post. But I'm taking I'm taking the Packers. Taking the man bun. And um, I think that's just as much of a Saints pick as it is picking against the Viking. I mean, you know, we uh, all Saints fans <laughs> are hoping the Packers whoop up on the Vikings this week. I think it's well, going to be. We need it, too. We need it, too, though. That's what I'm saying. You, you yeah. uh, Saints fans want the Packers to win by more than six and a half so they don't have to sweat it on Sunday night. I mean, this is much of a, a big of a, assuming the Saints win, um, this is going to be as big of a game for Saints fans, it is for Vikings fans. Anyway, I think it's going to be the other way. I'm taking Minnesota. I think it's going to be a tight game. Minnesota has played Green Bay well uh, in the recent past. I know Kirk Cousins doesn't play that well in primetime, but uh, I think this was going to be close. And Saints fans, assuming that they beat Carolina, are going to have to sweat this one out. Next up, one of your favorite. You know, I love to throw your favorite teams in there, but one of your favorite teams is playing in a huge game this week. The Dallas Cowboys, off the fresh off their thumping of the Washington football team are hosting the suddenly reeling Arizona Cardinals. We don't know what the hell they are. Dallas is laying five and a half to the Cardinals and it's at Jerry world. Oh my God. So the passion, but uh, you know, they, they had, uh, uh, what does that mean though? Because they, they typically just, they've got all they waste it week in and week out. Uh, but with the Cardinals playing as, as they are, uh, I think I'm going to go Cowboys, unfortunately. But, I mean, after that big win, they might be getting too big for their britches. So, and the Cardinals' backs are, you know, kind of against the wall. They need a positive story to go into their season. Uh, but pick the Cowgirls simply because I, I think are some some players on a mission. Talked about it with Duncan. Saints fans should be rooting for Arizona here simply for the reason you want the Rams to care in week 18 against the 49ers. If Arizona loses here and the Rams win, um, the Rams probably won't care in week 18. Um, although it is a 49ers, so maybe they will. Who knows? But uh, right. Saints fans rooting for Arizona. Unfortunately, I'm with you. I think Dallas, yeah. uh, it's hard to pick against them right now, especially at home. They're a better, they're a different team at home. Um, they have shown that. And all those people said something was wrong with Dak. Well, they're idiots. Uh, they don't know what they're talking about. Dak Prescott has been just fine. Zeke looks just fine. The defense is, is they have some studs on that defense. I'm with you with Dallas. Moving on. Uh, the team that beat the Saints last week, the Miami Dolphins, are, I mean, seven in a row. They're playing for their playoff lives. They've got to win out. They've got to finish with a nine-game winning streak to have a chance to get in the playoffs. In fact, if they, they win their last two, they're in, I think. Um, they get to travel to Tennessee to take on. I'm not sure we know what the Titans are right now. Um, they've been good, but not great. And they are giving up three and a half to Brian Flores and the, the hot Miami Dolphins. All right. Let, let, let's just get this out of the way. 
Uh, you know, when you play teams like like the Jets and the Jags and you play a depleted West Jefferson High School football team, uh, you know, of, of course they're going to, you know, these games. Uh, I think going up against Tennessee, the Oilers, I, I've been, it's hard to pick against the Oilers. I've been picking them all season long, practically. Houston Oilers. Houston. So I'm taking the Oilers because I think this, uh, the Tennessee right now, uh, looking at the Monday game, they are healthier in a better position. I think Miami, look, we saw Tua really could not move the ball. The Saints D was out of sight. But uh, I'm just going to say this. I, I think this will be the first real healthy team they'll play that has a positive uh, winning record. So, yeah, I think Tennessee really puts a shellacking on uh, the Dolphins there. I'm going to get the Love You Blue song before uh, in the playoffs. <laughs> We're going to play the Love You Blue. Houston Oilers number one. Oh, we're going to get that one for you. Um, I am the opposite way. I think um, Minnesota, I mean Minnesota, Miami, what they do best is they stop the run, um, which is going to force Ryan Tannehill to pass. And I know A.J. Brown is on that other side, and he was outstanding last week. He was the reason why they beat San Francisco. But um, you key on A.J. Brown, and you take away the run, and that's the success. That's the formula to beat the Titans. And um, – I don't like the Titans' chances in the playoffs if Derrick Henry doesn't come back, especially if he doesn't come back at least 85% or so. Um, right. I'm going to take the Dolphins here. Um, they're the hot one, and no one is – I agree with you. They haven't played anybody, and I said so last week, but at some point you got to say they've won seven in a row. I don't care who you play. It's still hard to do. Anyway. No, I mean, yeah, it's it, it, any given Sunday, all those, you know, fun little cliches. Uh, but, I mean, we just saw how Tua really couldn't move the ball. And, and he, yeah. uh, look, you know, missing Demario Davis, and we still really kind of held him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, look, it, the, the score does not represent the game. But, no, I, I think Miami's going to finally hit uh, hit a wall uh, of a team actually good. They might. And look, I, I like the under probably more than I like the game itself because – um, oh, yeah, I think both defenses are going to know that they're going to have to play big. To it, it could be like a 13-10 game. So I like the under. All right, moving on. Pick number four is Joe Burrow is on fire. Uh, his oh, baby, I mean, he is just throwing it to everybody. 525 yards last week. I think fourth best in NFL history. And uh, he's going up against the defense this week. I know they've been playing well as of late. They've been playing okay, but I don't think, you know, th this will be an interesting matchup. Cincinnati is getting five uh, at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. What did it say you? Oh, this is this will be a fun game, man. This will be a fun game. I, I think Joe Burrow, Higgins just freaking lit it. Yeah, up, he did. Man. Oh, my God. Um, so did Tyler so Boyd. Look, and, and the, the, the Chiefs' defense has been good. You know, people have been calling me a crazy person all season long because I consistently started the Chiefs' D. And, uh, look, they, they, they got me a whole boatload of points, man. Uh, so this will be tough. The uh, of uh, the Bengals going in. But I think the Bengals have a lot more to prove than the Chiefs. The Chiefs know who they are. Uh, you know, if, if, if the first two quarters, uh, Mahomes doesn't wake up and has a slow start as he's been having, I think that the Bengals, they can start lighting it up and make positive plays into their win the game. So I'm taking the Bengals uh, simply because – I. They, they, I guess I would say, 
that, that's bit the biggest reason that they are confident they are as a team and uh, that's just training onto the field man I'm with you, Conductor Dave. I think they have. I, I've I've kind of faded them a little bit, um, and probably, you know, in certain spots, maybe not saying. Especially last week. Last week was just a dumb pick. I should have never picked the Ravens last week. That was a bad pick. Mm-hmm. But um, I agree. I think Cincinnati. They they proved something to me, and not just because Burrow threw for five twenty five. Their defense has been playing okay. But I I kind of agree too that Kansas City is going to kind of take this thing this game for granted. I think when they get into situations when they take games for granted, they've been known to slip. It would, I don't think the Bengals are going to win straight up, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did. And, and especially, you're going to give me five points, I'm going to take the Bengals. All right, game number five, the Los Angeles Rams, speaking of the Ravens we're talking about, as we speak, it looks like Lamar Jackson has a good chance to play. We don't know how effective he'll be. But the Rams, who are have a chance to clinch the division this week, if they can win... If Dallas beats Arizona, the Rams are the NFC West champs. They're laying three and a half to the Ravens. All right. So, look, I, I man, all right. Stafford, what the? I, 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 I'm biased right now. For does not produce all in fantasy leagues. The Rams winning, but it's like Stafford is winning. Um, wow. They, uh, I don't know. I think the Rams uh, are figure it out. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just taking the Rams because I, I I still really dig that bright yellow and blue, man. That's that's really that jersey colors with them. Because, Here we uh, go again. Um, if they're wearing all yellow, oh, oh my god, god, I love those all yellow. Here uniforms. we go. I mean, so, really, I, I am. I am back to the color scheme. Look, I, I finally got a win against you. It's, it's been in a, a slump, so no, I'm taking the Rams in that beautiful yellow and blue. Hope they wear the solid blue too. That'd be awesome. Or the solid yellow. Either which way. I want that. Just watch it. I mean, I can't believe you like those uniforms. We grew up watching that crap. I, 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 to the turf. Up, I know. They would beat the snot out of us. But uh also the other reason I like those. I mean, like Vince Ferragamo and Jim Everett and well, Pat Hayden. My mother taught <laughs> my mother taught at St. Paul's up there in Covington. And they were a very similar color scheme. Yeah. So I'm the I, voice I of the same. Those, that I'm the voice of the St. Paul's Wolves basketball team, so I, I get I, I that. I saw that. I saw but, that. Uh, that doesn't make me want to root for blue and yellow. Whatever. Shut up. I was a kid. Stop judging me. Taking the Rams judging. That. I like the colors. Love the colors. I judge everyone. It's my show. I can do that <laughs> if I want. Uh, I, I, with that being said, I'm with you. I, I, I don't see how the rate. I mean, we don't know. Lamar Jackson has been hot, hot and cold, and I can't imagine he's going to come back. And the Ravens are a mess. They're, they're not quite they are. like Panthers they kind are of mess, but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I really don't. So Playoffs? Um, playoffs. Yeah, I just don't. So I'm with you, Rams. I think they sew up the division this week, and then Saints fans have to hope that they care against the Niners. I don't know if they will or won't, but that'll be. we'll save that for next week. All right. Yeah. Then the 10 will get you 1,064 segments. Um, we wrap it up with our Lanyard pick. The New Orleans Saints, who we don't, as we record this, we Duncan thinks that most of the guys are going to be back this week, including your beloved Tay-Tay, Choo-Choo. Yeah. New Orleans Saints are six-and-a-half-point favorites. You want to talk about reeling. Scammy Cammy has uh, just been god-awful. I don't know what they were thinking when they decided to sign him to 
I don't know, what is it, $8 million contract to yeah, play like it eight was a, games? It was a feel-good deal. That was. Feel good. They haven't felt good in a long time. He stinks. <laughs> and they stink. I'm just saying that's what they thought it was. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm not going to, I mean, spoiler alert, I guess I've given away my pick already. But the Saints are six and a half point favorites. Final game in the Dome this season, no matter what happens the rest of the way, the Saints will not play another game in the Dome um, unless the true Christmas miracle happens. They get the sixth seed. And the seven seed wins out, and it's six versus seven in the NFC Championship game. Ain't happening. Right. So this is the yeah. final game in the Dome. What say you? All right. Uh, look, uh, just as a, a sidebar, I mean, Ian Book made some rookie mistakes, but he did not look like complete, utter garbage. Uh, you know, like he just made a bunch of rookie mistakes. Plus, I mean, you know. Well, he hit some no dude at right tackle that we never oh heard God. of. I swear to sweet baby Jesus, man, dude, it was it was awful. It was hard to watch. You know, it was like West Jefferson High School football. I apologize to any actual West Jefferson player. I'm like, what is the deal with West Jefferson today? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just that it keeps popping in my head. Uh, but look, I mean, uh, the Saints, the oh man, they did in that was a, a miracle, and they just couldn't get. They didn't get any help from the offense. And oh, I, I'm taking the Saints simply because I think everybody coming back, you know, if it weren't for the whole COVID uh, issues, we'd have been fine. So, uh, oh, my internet's crapping out. All right. So I'm taking the Saints because who that and Tay Tay will be back. He's going to lead us on to victory. Why? Victory, our battle cry. Who that, baby? Who that? Uh, I'm with. Uh, I look, I, the Saints, uh, assuming they get everybody back except the tackles. Taysom will have to figure out how to run the ball again. I think he'll be fine. I think the Saints will be fine. Um, they give a little Christmas present to the those dome foam drinking uh, black and gold terrace nosebleed wearing new whatever. New, not the new, new dads. The hell with the new dads. They don't deserve a victory. But the who dads do, and they're going to get one. They're going to win by, I think, at least 10 this weekend. So I'm with the Saints. Uh, but I have warning. I have not been, you know, I started out nine and one against the spread with the saints and I have lost four of the last six when trying to pick the, the saints, uh, against the spread. So it hasn't been good, but we'll see, try to fix that this week. Uncle Dave, conductor, Dave D squared, tell the fans about the final week in geek of the year. I'm, I'm dipping back into the archive, doing the best of I've, I've got a lot of great episodes over the over this year. I haven't actually uh, figured out all of them they're going to play, but maybe Bruce Campbell. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even sure yet. Sitting here, I'm on vacation still. So, but follow us on right. Twitter at <laughs> Twig. I swear. Oh my god, I'm so stressed out. They're making me work right now. It's driving me. Uh, Twig Radio, T W I G Radio on Twitter. Beacon Geek on Instagram. Definitely uh, like us on Facebook, and you can catch our podcast wherever podcasts are freely given away. The iHeart Radio app. Click subscribe for the Week in Geek Radio Show. Never miss an episode. So, all right, JD. I hope you had a Merry Christmas and a, a Happy New Year upcoming, my friend. Don't blow your hand off uh, Friday night with them fireworks here. I spend so much money that I don't even like to talk about how much money I spend on fireworks because, uh, yeah, I light up the neighborhood. There's usually a mini sun in my backyard every year. Light and run, my friend. Light and run. <laughs> I, I, I don't need my fingers. I'm not a football player, so whatever. I, you know, <laughs> I, I, 
I'm with you. I'll be blowing up the neighborhood too. We're gonna have fun. Happy New Year, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Same to you. Who that Oh, we apologize for some of the issues we had audio-wise with Conductor Dave. He was having some internet issues, so hopefully that didn't scare anybody off. Hopefully his our picks will be outstanding. And speaking of picks, we're going to get right into Uncle Big Nick because, uh, oh, Uncle Big Nick and I didn't have the greatest week. It wasn't terrible. Well, I mean, it was pretty bad for Uncle Big Nick. I got my five-star pick right. That was the main thing, right? Let's see how we do this week. He is going all bowl games, and I am going all NFL except for one pick. Um, And so we're going back to our strengths, and that's where we've been successful this year. So let's see if we can continue that here in Datitude. What she meant to say was, can we make some winning picks today? Well, she's got to specify. I mean, I didn't know it was supposed to win. I just thought I was picking stuff. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's the newest rule here as we get okay. to New Year. It's a New Year's rule. We're Only always changing the rules as we go. So. Yeah. Well, I thought by getting rid of uh, teasers that you'd be able to start winning. But uh, well, it, it doesn't help that my five-star gets canceled. I mean, that... No. Yeah. So that, that probably... Instead of being one and three, you might have been one and four. Who knows? But uh, maybe you're been two and three, though. You could have been five. You can be five and zero this week. Yeah, I picked all bowl games, so could be canceled. (laughs) (laughs) You could be one and zero. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, As we go into this on a Wednesday morning. All right, Uncle Big Nick. uh, Real quick, last week, um, two and three, I was Um, those damn Saints when we did the the game. They. You know, I didn't know some dude I never heard of was going to be playing right tackle, but that's okay. Um, but uh, we're going to redo it this week. I went two and three. Uh, two of my picks involved the Saints some sort of way. I now I got six points last week. I was 79 for the season. You went one and three. You got one point. Um, you got 72 points for the season. And again, in Uncle Big Nick's defense, his five-star did get canceled. I got a feeling that won't be the last time one of our picks gets canceled. Well, this this has got to be one of the toughest seasons to bet early, like like doing this on a Wednesday and betting well, games that are Friday, Saturday, Thanksgiving. Sunday. Yeah, especially since Thanksgiving or so. I mean, usually I like to pick out yeah. a few. If I think the line's going to change, I like to bet it early. But it is really hard to do it now. In fact, I I had pushed my NFL picks column to Thursday. I've now pushed it. I, I realize there's no Thursday game, so I'm not even going to do it until Friday this week. So. You know, it don't I, make no sense to do it. It before. really doesn't. It really does. I mean, when I did it last week, I had no idea about any of those Saints um, last week. But neither here nor there. Let's jump into it. Um, last week, the one pick you you had a no play in your five star pick, and you got your one star right, which was go figure. Forty Niners. Um, no, that wasn't right. No, you had your Cincinnati. Oh. Cincinnati uh, is your one star pick. Let's just go through what you have this week. Your one-star pick this week, Cincinnati plus 13-and-a-half over Alabama in the college football playoff on Saturday. I'm trying not to overreact to what I've seen Bama do to Georgia. Georgia's weakest point was the secondary. And I really think Cincinnati has a really good secondary, even though they're 
I don't know, their schedule doesn't show it. Mechie being out is, I think, big for Alabama. Yeah. I don't know. I just get Cincinnati. I mean, if if you don't play your best ever in this game, I, I mean, I don't know. They've been begging to be in the playoff, begging, begging, begging. Now they're there. This is their Super Bowl, World Series, championship, anything you want to call it. That's what this is for them. Here's my thing. I mean, Bama's going to win, I think. I just think it's going to be close. Here's my thing with that. Um, I like the pick overall. If I had to bet one way or the other, just on the spread, I would bet on Cincinnati. But I, th- I, I agree. I think Alabama's going to win the game. I think they're going to win it. I, I got. I just have this weird feeling it's going like a late touchdown. It's going to like mess up with a lot of people because I've seen a lot of people be betting on, have been betting on Cincinnati. It leads into my one-star pick, which is. The only college football pick I have in this whole thing, which is the playoff teaser. And uh, we know, I've look, I have been up and down, especially since Thanksgiving, and a lot of it's been co- with COVID. But I have done well with my teasers. And so we're going to throw two of them out there today. One's my one-star, one's my five-star. I'm taking Georgia. They only have to win by one and a half over Michigan to cover in the teaser. And then I'm going against in a way, as I'm taking Alabama minus seven and a half, in a teaser, I'm not sure who's going to cover, to be honest. I think Alabama's going to win. I think it's going to be in the 10 range. Um, so I don't, I don't want to touch the spread. I probably will only touch it a little bit in the, when it actually happens Friday. But I think in a teaser, I think Alabama wins by a touchdown at least, or eight or nine points. And I really think they win by 10 to 12 is what I think. So teaser? I don't know. I, I mean, mean, you I, get 19 I'm... and a half if you took Cincinnati in a teaser. I just... Here's the thing that scares me. I think Alabama is going to win. I'm scared of Georgia. Uh, that's the one I'm yeah, scared I of. I'm I am scared too, of to be honest. I don't trust Georgia's quarterbacks, no matter which one plays. And now that Michigan has got over the big mountain of yeah. not being able to beat Ohio State, will they Will they beat Georgia? I don't know. But I think that game's going to be a knockout slugfest, defensive line versus offensive line type game, you know. I will say I this. am going to make a little pizza bet on both underdogs in the playoffs. I think, I, you know, I think, parlay. yeah, I think that, um, I really think whoever wins the Georgia Michigan game is going to win it all. I know you, I know you think Alabama is going to win it all. You know, you do. Okay. I no, you I picked Georgia to win it all, but I think, I think that is whoever wins that. I, did, I just think, I, I don't think Michigan Al- has a better chance of beating Bama than Georgia does just mentally. Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that. We'll play with that. Who, didn't want, who don't want to see? Who don't want to see Saban versus Harbaugh? I mean, come on. Well, I don't. I want to. I see, know you don't because you hate Harbaugh. Yeah. But I want to see Fickle versus Kirby. That's what I really want to <laughs> see. I mean, then I definitely win some money. All right, let's go on to the two star. Your two star is the Peach Bowl, which is on Thursday. You got the Pittsburgh Michigan State under fifty six. We talk about. You know, a couple of years ago, you could have just bet all overs in bowl games and you'd have been a rich man. Last year, it changed. It, we didn't know if it was because of the crowds or whatever, but this year, it's been kind of a mixed bag, and we, we kind of talked about it with with our with our friend, the Dom, uh, and how the unders were have been rolling. You got the under here at Pittsburgh, Michigan State, 56. I said last week I wasn't betting any more bowl unders, and here I am betting a bowl under. Uh, when I first seen this game announced, I said, oh, great. Pickett versus Michigan State secondary. This is going to be high scoring, fun game to watch. Pickett sits out. 
Walker sits out for Michigan State. I, I don't know where the offenses will come from in this game. That's the two best offensive players. And Pittsburgh has a decent enough defensive line to stop Michigan State's running games. So, I mean, 56 just seems high to me on this game with all yeah. these opt-outs and sitting out. I don't disagree, um, but I would probably lean towards Michigan State because I think they're the better overall team. If you take the star player off of each oh, team. Oh, yeah, if I got to take a side, I'll, I'll take Michigan State. But I just think it's I think it's going to be low scoring. All right, I like to pick. Um, my two-star is I'm going out on a limb here. I've been kind of dissing on the Bengals here and there. I did pick them two weeks ago, but they sh- they shocked the hell out of me last week, and they look like they're on a mission. The Chiefs are kind of just doing what the Chiefs do, and they're able to like just show up and beat the hell out of people. Well, they showed against the Chargers that they can struggle a little bit, and I know they beat the hell out of the Steelers last week. I don't think the Steelers are any good. I think they're going to be. I think the Chiefs are going to be overconfident in this game, and I think Cincinnati is showing every week. Burrow's kind of got that little Burrow edge he had in the in the national championship season, um, and they keep talking about. They're finally selling me on how maybe the Bengals have the best set of skill players in the league, and the Chiefs have been good on defense here and there. And good the second half of the season. But I'm not sure they're going to be good against this team. I, I probably like the over as much as I like this pick. But I'm going to take the Bengals plus five over the Chiefs. And I might throw a little bone on the money line at some point. Is it just like a, I don't know, bookmakers saying, please take Cincinnati? You're getting five at home after what you just seen Burrow do. I don't Baltimore. think it's a please take Baltimore's Cincinnati. Not with that spread. If they were saying, please take they're Cincinnati. Five I think at home. I know, but I think they'd make it six if they were saying please take. Five's a weird number. You're not saying please take anybody at five, I don't think. I don't think. That means it would be, what, eight and a half if it was KC at home? No, it would mean, let's say it'd be seven on a neutral site and about eight or nine, at least nine. It'd be at least nine at Kansas City. I'd be all over Cincinnati if it was at at nine. I don't know. This game scares me. Yeah. It's only my two star. I just, like I just, said, I, this is more of a hunch of look. I've been fading Cincinnati too much. Um, I don't know if I'm trying to make up for it here, but I just think that the Bengals are going to come out to play. I think they're legit. I mean, I really do, and I think they're going to be able to have success against the Kansas City defense. We'll see. Like you said, I, I like the over a lot better in this game than yeah, picking a side. Take that. But I've made my pick. I'm going to stick with it. By gosh, your three star pick is the Outback Bowl on Saturday. Uh, I find this one really interesting. This is one of my ones I'm really looking forward to watching because I have no idea what's going to happen. Notre Dame minus two and a half over Oklahoma State. Um, I definitely lean the Irish here. This is one of the games where just because they lost their coach, I don't think it makes a difference. Obviously, it's a coach that's still there. Defensive coordinator is is has been there, so it's not going to be that big of a change. And I almost think they want to flip the bird to Brian Kelly. Me too, and I... The culture change really not that big of a deal because they already got the coach set. It's not, oh, who's going to be our coach? This co- this is your coach. It's already there. And they love playing for this guy. For, and I don't know, they're just going to play hard for this new coach, I think, and just prove that it wasn't Brian Kelly. It's the players. And Baylor shut down this Oklahoma State offense. So I think Notre Dame got better players than Baylor. And I think they're just going to duplicate that and be able to shut down Oklahoma State. 
Yeah, it's funny. We didn't even talk about this before the game, but I mean, before we did the pick segment, but I, I mean, I think we think the same way on this. So um, I, I, I agree. They're going to come out. I think Notre Dame's come out with a chip on their shoulder. I like that pick. Um, my three star, I don't usually love double digit uh, favorites. In this case, I do. You know, the, the guys that we listen to talk about your, uh, I don't, I don't know how they put it. When a team gets eliminated from the playoffs, it's kind of, the bye-bye syndrome. Uh, we're gone. We don't care now. Meanwhile, the Bills are not only fighting for the division title, they're fighting to keep creeping up the seeding chart in the AFC because they don't want to be the four seed. I think the Bills are going to steamroll Atlanta, who has absolutely really nothing to play for anymore. If Atlanta is going to have a good game, it's going to be in the finale against the Saints. It, it, it's not going to be this one. Right. Traveling, traveling to Buffalo, this is going to be ugly, I think. I take the Bills minus 14 and a half over Atlanta. Yeah, I like this. It's it's going to be really ugly, I think. A- Atlanta all season has beaten bad teams and gotten crushed by good teams. You know, Buffalo's a good team. The only down spot on this, I would say, is the Bills coming off that big win over New England. Do they come out flat? I don't know. But I mean, I, I like the pick. Like you said, the Fal- I think the Falcons are looking ahead to next week to try to spoil the Saints party of going into the playoffs. If I possible. mean, that could so, be. Sure. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see. Um, your four-star is in the Music City Bowl, which is Thursday. You got Tennessee minus five and a half over Purdue. This line has jumped quite a bit, um, which tends to believe that at least the big money is on the Vols. I like the way this Tennessee team is going on this season. Like I, I just like the direction they're going in. The QB for Tennessee is playing in this game, and he's already committed to staying for next year. So I think he's going to put up numbers. Purdue is pretty bad on defense. I mean, two years ago, they played in this bowl game against Auburn. They gave up 63 points. And I just don't trust Purdue in this bowl game. I think this is going to be high scoring, and I just think Tennessee's going to run away from them. I actually like the pick, too. So, uh, but I, I guess what scares me is that when the line jumps from three to five and a half, I don't think anybody from Purdue necessarily is, is out or no one said they weren't playing. I don't think they had any COVID issues. So it makes me wonder why the lines jumped so much in just a few days. So I'll probably stay away from it. But in overall, if I had to take one, I would take your side. Um, my four-star pick this week, look, the Vikings, have, I got the Vikings plus six and a half over the Packers. This is one Saints fans will be watching Big time. They need they need Aaron Rodgers to come up big. They need the Packers to beat the Vikings. But here's the thing. Minnesota is one of the teams in the center. Uh, it's not the central anymore. It's the north. Um, in the north, it's actually fared well against Green Bay as of late. Kirk Cousins has done a decent job against Green Bay. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I think it's going to be night close. Game. Yeah, a night game. Well, Kirk Cousins doesn't do great night games, but... Exactly. <laughs> well, you know what? People keep saying that, but that's not necessarily true. I, I, I know people like throw that out there because he's had some bad night games. He's won a playoff games. He's won games when they're when they count when they when he really needs them to. I know this team's been up and down, but I, I, I as, for Saints fans, I can tell you what they're going to be biting their nails in this one. Especially well, if they lose to Carolina, it doesn't matter because they won't care. But if the Saints beat Carolina. They basically have to have the Vikings lose this week because they're not going to lose to the Bears next week. Um, so I think it's going to be a tight game. I'm not ready to go out and say the Vikings are going to win straight up, but I do think it's going to be close. 
and I do think they're going to keep it within the touchdown. Yeah, I can see that. Like I said, the only pause I have is Kirk Cousins at a primetime spot in a big game. But I could Green Bay really, I don't know, they, they let Baltimore come back and cover. They let Cleveland come back and cover. I mean, they haven't really been blowing teams out. They get a big lead, but then they let them come back. With backdoor covers, so yeah, they also have see. they also have overall for the season the Packers have a, I think they're like eleven four and no they're ten four and one I think against the spread. So oh, it's I, crazy. Them and the Cowboys are the two most publicly bet teams, right? And they're the and two they, best teams against the spread this year, right? But in the so, last month or so, they they each haven't been great. I mean, obviously Dallas was last week, but well. Vegas uh, needs to keep the lights on. I mean, you, yeah. you can't have the two most popular teams covering all the time. Yeah, well, you know, our, our, some of the people who are Saints fans think that the, you know, the NFL are controlling lines and thinking, you know, Saints can't cover this week. You know how much the NFL hates the Saints. Oh, yeah, that's what, that's the big punchline with everything. The NFL gets he wakes up in the morning thinking, how can I screw the yeah. Saints today? That's a whole other story. That's what he does. I've already, did, I've already did that bit this morning. All right, um, let's get to the five-star pick, your number one pick of the week. You haven't been great on these, but you, and you got hosed last week with a no play. I Hopefully you don't get hosed with this one because it'll be bad for the city. Um, I hope you don't get a no play here. It's the Sugar Bowl. It's Ole Miss and Baylor, and all this, the spread's really tight. You're saying over 55, which me, if you're saying over, it means you're leaning Ole Miss. You think Matt Corral is going to handle Dave Aranda? Yes. Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral. Matt Corral coming out and saying, look, I know I'm going in the draft, but I'm staying and playing for my boys. That's going to fire this team up. And Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral are going to pull out all the stops to do whatever they can to run the score up. They're never going to stop scoring in this game. Matt Corral's trying to improve his draft stock. And I hope Matt Corral has a great game and doesn't get injured, everything's fine, maybe they'll stop all these opt-outs. I mean, Jesus, everybody's opted out. Even if you could be a six-rounder, oh, no. I'm a six-rounder. Like, you can't even... You don't like even you know if you're going to get picked. draft stock. Yeah. You exactly. don't even know if you're going to... It's really dumb. I agree. Um, I, I've never... You play, all, you play all year with your boys, and then bowl game comes, and no, I'm scared. To me, it's it's not scary. To me, it just said. I think they just find ways. Look, we don't have to play this game. Who cares? It just goes to show what their mentality is. But LSU has two defensive players that are opted out of the bowl game, but they played in the senior bowl. Like what? what what's why? I just don't selfishness. Get it. I, I it really pisses exactly. me off. And look, I know there are gonna be people, people out there saying, "Oh, it's their livelihood. It's their livelihood." Well, then don't go to. Don't go play. You're just playing college football. I don't know. It just pisses me off. I mean, look, the NCAA is greedy, too, so I have mixed emotions about it, and I get it. But it would affect the way that I draft a kid if I were a GM of a team. To me, if you opt out, it says a lot about who you are. There are a lot of players who could. Yeah, I mean, Matt, if your team does, if your team's not in the playoff race, are you just going to say, oh, well, I don't want to play no more? Yeah, I'm no, look, I'm no Matt Corral fan. I'm no Ole Miss fan. But... Matt Corral easily could have opted out and said, "You know what? The hell with this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get ready because he's probably gonna be a first round draft pick." Um, right. And he easily could have said, "Adios, bye bye, whatever." 
we saw Pickett do it for Pittsburgh. But I respect, yeah, the, I respect the hell out of him for that. So do I. I bet him. <laughs> and, and, and it makes a it makes a big difference. He obviously wants to play. I do like this pick as a matter, by the way. And why um, Pickett? I don't understand why Pickett don't want to play for Pittsburgh. You're playing against the worst secondary in the league. You could put up five, six hundred yards, maybe. Well, Look that's what a, uh, that's Stroud did against this defense. You could use it as a showcase if you're. I mean, exactly. It's, it's no different than going to a pro day. I mean, except you're not going to get hit in a pro day. But I don't know. This is a, actually a show I think that we should do um, later on. Um, I think as we go into get closer to the draft and start talking about players and who they are, and I mean maybe we'll make a list of all the players who opted out and just talk about them because I it really would. I'm not kidding, and I'm not not just because I'm being a hard ass, but it would affect the way that I, I draft someone. I'm not saying I wouldn't draft someone. They got to do something. They got to do something about they it. They do now that everything's going to be legalized with betting. Like last night with Mississippi State, 10 minutes before kickoff, you get the news that 10 players are not playing for Mississippi State that are starters. Like that, yeah, that the NFL, sounds a you got to have the injury report. Yeah, you got to have the injury report in before betting purposes, yeah. you know? Yeah, th- those players didn't just show up at the ball game and then say, I'm not, I'm not dressing out today. I changed my mind. Right. I mean, they, they knew, they knew. I agree. And uh, it actually ruined, I had a 14 teaser yesterday. And that was the game that ruined it. So, yeah, I'm a little bitter about that one. All right, my five-star pick. My five-star pick is a teaser. I talked about a teaser. I've been doing pretty well with my teasers at the top up here, so I'm going to stick with it. I tried to find one again. If you're new to to betting, a teaser, you get six points, whatever way you pick, but you got to pick two games. You got to get them both right to win. And... um, my teaser here, Bears even over the Giants. I think the Giants are just a mess. Um, I think the Bears want to. They gave up. They don't. Yeah, they gave up, and Chicago obviously hasn't the way they played Seattle last week. And then the Saints just minus a half a point over Carolina at home in the Dome. And this is assuming, obviously, that the Saints get the, at least one of their quarterbacks back and one of their tackles back and at least a few other guys here and there, which I think they will. So basically, Bears and Saints just have to win. The Bears do this all the time, don't they? They play bad during the beginning, the middle of the season, then they win a few games at the end, and Nagy keeps his job. I don't think that happens this yeah. year. And they screw up their draft spots. It's just, it screw up draft spots. They just, I don't know. It, I like this teaser though. Well, I did, like you said, it's this time of year. It's as much about teams giving up, and Panthers are a mess. Uh, the, not only do they not give a damn. But they got COVID issues as well. So, I mean, as we record this, we have no idea who's who's going to play quarterback for Carolina. And the, so. the coaches in press conferences quoting Jay-Z. So, I mean. Oh, Lord. What are you going to do? He, he, yeah, he's hiring his boy to be defensive coordinator. And, I mean, offensive coordinator. He's sending Joe Brady off to La La Land because yeah. apparently they, Joe Brady was probably mean to him or something. Probably told me to know Jack about offenses, something along. Hey, I got a question for you before we're done. All right. What would it take for you to get doused in Mayo, like the winner of the Duke Mayo Bowl is going to get with North Carolina and South Carolina? Who's doing the dousing? It, it doesn't matter. I mean, oh, it most certainly wins matters. This game is get is getting doused in Mayo. Well, it matters who's doing get the Mayo dousing. poured on it. It's just a bucket of mayo. We had poured on you. Who cares who's doing the pouring? 
Are they going to pour bacon on it with the mayo? I don't know. I mean, you got to give me like scenarios. You can't just say you're going to dump mayo on you. How much would it take? I mean, you have to like, you can't just spring that on me at the end of a show. I mean, if there's you bacon spring stuff involved, on me all the time. If there's bacon, there's no bacon involved. It's just it's just mayo, a bucket of mayo right, no, in the mayo bowl is, it, is getting doused on is the Is it Julia Roberts do, doing the dousing? No. Okay, it's probably going to be it, players on your team. Oh, uh, it, it would it would definitely take a decent amount. Then I don't know. Uh, it would take more. It, it, just, let's just say um, even you don't, Doctor Dom, and you don't have that kind of money. Yeah, exactly. That that's a little ridiculous. And if Doctor Dom doesn't have that kind of money, we know we're we're kind of yeah. We're no. All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap. We have week eighteen next week. We'll have, I'm sure we'll have um, our college football. We'll both include the college football championship in our picks next week. Hey, we can pick LSU next week. We pick the LSU game next week. How about that? Oh, they played. Yeah, in the Texas Bowl, January fourth. <laughs> Happy New Year, Uncle Big Nick. You too, buddy. All right, talk to you later. Mayo. I don't think so. I mean, I'll I'll eat mayo. Lord knows I eat plenty of mayo, although I still can't taste it. That's a whole other story. For a whole other show, I've told you about my problems already. Maybe the new year will bring my smell and taste back. <sighs> anyway, that's going to just about do it for episode number 40. Look, I think this might have been one of our best shows yet. Um, I think... Jeff Duncan's insight. I really think that might be the best segment we've had, or one of them. Mike Detelier's had a couple really good ones here. Dunk's had a couple good ones. And, you know, before we wrap it up for the year, and we'll be back on Monday. We're taking just taking Friday off. But um, before we wrap it up for the year, I, I mean, I, I tell you, I got to be um, – this has been quite a start. We have had some great guests on this show throughout the first four months. Um all kinds of great people that I certainly want to have on again. And I was serious about getting Jim Henderson on. I got to do that. Uh, my idea for the off season, besides talking about the draft and obviously we'll be talking about, you know, what's going to happen going into camp, the free agent signings and all that, those things. But I want to get some former saints on. I want to do more Jim Rapier stuff. I, I, I got, we got a lot of comments from Monday show with Jim Rapier. Um, he, he is, I'm telling you, no better historian. Well, there, there are a couple people out there that are really good historians, and uh, Duncan was talking about one of them. So we're going we're gonna to do some fun shows in the off season. We're going to have former Saints on here, um, and uh, we'll, see, we'll see where that goes. But I think we're going to have some really good shows. Uh, again, um, no show on Friday, and then we are the rest of the – however long the Saints are – in this thing, as long as the Saints are playing the rest of the year, we're going to have three shows a week again beginning next week. Um, and when they're done, we'll have one or two shows a week until the Super Bowl, and then we're going to take a little break. But um, we'll worry about that in the future. That is going to do it for us here. I do want to thank, again, Jeff Duncan, Conductor Dave, and Uncle Big Nick. Um, a reminder, you can reach me at jderry at theadvocate.com and on Twitter at Jim Derry Jr. You can listen to this podcast in a multitude of places wherever you're listening right now make sure to subscribe search for datitude and subscribe you'll know when the newest datitude is out also don't forget to watch all of our shows on bet.nola.com we still do odds and ends on mondays to review the 
previous weekend. Um, obviously, things are going to be changing there soon. Uh, we're going to be transitioning into different seasons. We're, st- we're still talking, though, about uh, bowl games and NFL regular season. We've got two more weeks, obviously, and then we'll get into the playoffs. Fantasy Roundup. How many of you are in your championship game? My hand is raised. I got a little lucky, but I don't care. I'm there. And then at the book on Thursdays featuring Cashin' with Carville, where we will give you our picks for the week. It has been a fun one. Um, join us next Monday. We will review the Saints Carolina. We'll, uh, look, we're going to update you where we are in the playoff hunt. We're going to know, even though I think the whole wash load is going to be even muddier than it is right now. I think the Saints will know a lot more about where they stand on Monday morning than they do right now. And that may seem like Captain Obvious, but sometimes you don't. Um, Sometimes it may be a hodgepodge. But look, Saints fans, this is what you're rooting for, obviously, besides the Saints victory. You're rooting for the Green Bay Packers, and you're rooting for the Arizona uh, Cardinals to beat them Cowboys. Those are the two. And if you get some kind of Lanyap miracle with Houston beating San Francisco, that would be outstanding. And like Duncan said, Washington over Philadelphia. If you get three of those four things, it's a good weekend. If you get two of them, yeah. If you get one of them, it might be bad news. But we'll see. We'll talk about it all on Monday. Everyone have a wonderful Happy New Year. Don't blow your hands off. Don't shoot your eye out with the fireworks. Have fun. Enjoy it. And please... Drive, drink, do not drink and drive. Drive responsibly. We want to talk to you on Monday. We want you to be able to listen. We love y'all. Peace and love, my friends.